Reports of cannibalistic assaults coming in from cities all over the country. 58 people nationwide reported dead and over 100 currently listed in critical condition. Expecting signs of infections, doctors keeping close watch on survivors. It's suspected that this psychotic aggression represents the final stages of a disease currently labeled Newman's Plague, named after the first identified patient, now dead. Unable to find direct evidence of viral, bacterial, or even fungal infection, medical science remained baffled as to both cause and transmission, making it nearly impossible to detect. According to experts, the disease presents with such variation during the initial stages that epidemiologists consider the likelihood of multiple strains, if not altogether different infections. Sources at the Pentagon suggest the possible presence of an experimental neurotoxin, an eyewitness to an attack in Hoboken, New Jersey, likened it to something out of a zombie movie. Only difference? The attacker spoke after swallowing a piece of her victim's cheek. We will show you footage from the witness's smartphone. I must warn you of the graphic nature of the images about to appear on your screen. Doug doesn't pick up the phone something disgusting about it. Getting so many calls from your mother. Not a single friend. Not a single possible, quote, love interest. The kiss with the girl left him wondering about his sexuality. He'd imagined girls he went to school with, begging him, and that definitely did something for him. But he'd also daydreamed about kissing boys since around age eight, which felt like a lifetime ago. Another text message alert. They usually came in tens every time he refused to pick up his mother's calls. The bus, quiet now in this non-time, roared through America. Earlier, Doug definitely heard the sounds of sex happening between Ron and Mindy, though they had done their best to keep quiet. He could always hear things. He could always hear things he shouldn't, things he didn't want to. He flipped the phone over in his lap his eyes reading against his will. The world's ending. We should talk. And he felt a chill combined with nausea, combined with a sharp sense of embarrassment, combined with a blood-curdling inner scream, the kind that could shatter glass and cut through steel. The world's ending. Please call me. Doug imagined playing to an empty theater, then to a stadium filled with zombies, and they both felt about the same. A stir of guilt came. If he didn't call his mother, he knew she'd probably pace, drink a little too much, shout at the air around her, go on a shopping spree, not sleep for 24 hours. Staring at the screen of his phone, a disgust swallowed up the guilt. He put his earbuds in, put on Spotify, his daily playlist number three. Joe Jackson's Steppin' Out came on. Perfect, Doug thought. He stood up walked over to his bunk and drifted off into a deep, dreamless sleep, forgetting the world entirely, once again. Colson came to spinning. The world became the interior of a Florida state-owned vehicle. Folders and paper flew, a half cup of coffee, lukewarm, splashed, emptied, some on his pant leg, some on his face, drops on the driver's side window. In the midst of all this, Colson thought how it always looks like more when it spills. Sound came in afterwards. The screech of tires, one car hitting another, the honking of horns in the distance. Colson tried the brake, 
Something wedged between it and the floor stopped it from working. It pulled the emergency brake and the car finally came to a stop on the side of I-95 northbound under a digital billboard promising the world's best hospital care for your cancerous loved ones. Colson tried to get his bearings, checked his pockets, found his phone, called the police, he told himself. No, what'll that do? The screen showed nine missed calls, 561 area code. Maybe the police called him. Maybe work did. Maybe just Eric checking in on him. He looked down and saw the bottle, bourbon, empty, wedged between the brake and the floor, removed it. One night in Bangkok played on the radio. He disengaged the e-brake, put the car in drive, moved a few inches. The car seemed operable enough. He wondered for a second if anyone got hurt. A pang of conscience, then the fear, the survival drive. Beating away, he considered the possible charges. Evasion of responsibility, fleeing the scene, vehicular manslaughter, sexual assault, risk of injury, neglect of protective duty, involuntary manslaughter. For a moment, he fought his own humanity, wondering how much damage, injury, possible death he caused. The urge to take ownership rose, pushed it down. The miracle worker found himself in the bathroom of the donut shop. With the light still out, he could still see in the mirror that he didn't look right. His skin appeared almost pale, threatening to wither, and his eyes looked bloodshot. As he breathed in, he caught the stink of humanity, illness, the failure of a body to process poison. An overwhelm of weakness racked his body, followed by nausea, and he swayed two steps to vomit into the toilet. As he purged, his body shook. No relief came, though he seemed to cast out the entirety of his innards. The digestive tract, the agent of his fate, claimed an unnecessity. Disease pervaded his every cell, and he could feel it. Anger rose quickly, becoming rage, but that feeling couldn't keep itself present in the face of his frailty. Another round of vomiting came, accompanied by visions, completely devoid of cohesion. Black and white pictures of people looking away, dead alphabets, an entire suburban neighborhood of screaming families. He forced himself out of the bathroom and into the shop, which seemed to glow in the light of its inhabitants. The usual people, Larry, the former addict, Victor, the man who ran it, the old nameless black man who some might call an angel or worse, Victor behind the counter, the other two swiveled on the stools so they could greet him. Nice of you to join us, the black man said. This, he struggled to get the words out, makes no sense. He closed his eyes. No memory of time, of how he got here from the woods, the sound of his body dying, all that came to him. Well, Papa's got a brand new pig bag, someone said. A mistake, he heard himself repeat. Someone get this boy a chair. Nah, he'll find his strength. Give him a minute. A mistake, he said again, complete and total. Mistakes not only, not only bound to happen, mistakes 
They meant to happen. Any kind of God, creator of the universe, they know it. You know? It's also possible that they, she, he, it, this force, this God, this universe, created humankind with no idea how it might turn out. What capabilities? Larry, the addict said. Ukrainian listened. He kept the jazz on the radio. Ornette Coleman wailed on a saxophone while the bass held it down and went wild simultaneously. You could also consider it a talent agency, the older man said, hunching over his untouched coffee. There's one, the addict laughed. With a marketing and PR arm. That's right, and they found you, Mr. Nobody, just right for the part. You might even exceed expectations. And I know I'll stay right here. Rooting for you. Smiling, he took a sip of his coffee. Damn, a little late in the day for free jazz. Stuff gives me a headache. It's like 3 a.m. or nothing. Victor didn't move. Larry, it's never too late. Mr. Nobody stood in place, facing the men at the counter. Your wisdom puts me to shame. I can't fully read you. The miracle man closed and opened his eyes. No, not fully. All that wisdom, why'd you ever bother with heroin? Larry laughed. Man, I used because I couldn't handle the weight of it. All of it. So why stay clean now? Nobody asked. I want to see. I want to see what happens next. With clear head, sharp eyes. That, the stuff just doesn't work anymore. What happens? Nobody repeated. What happens? What happens? The angel said. He's on his way right now. Ornette Coleman slowed down. The drums and bass held the silence between notes. Rhythm of a schizophrenic slinking down into sleep. Who? Nobody asked. Your twin. <laughs>